0: Pull up a seat and get ready to find out just how valuable God thinks you are. My name is Johnny, and I'm the host of this podcast. My goal here is to be honest and transparent because I want you to know that there's somebody out there that gets it. Through each episode, I hope that you're reminded that you are wildly sought after by a really good God. So I just want to say thank you to everybody that's been tuning into this podcast. I still cannot believe that my little blog that I started in college has been reaching hundreds of thousands of young girls. And I know that I repeat this a lot, but I will never take that for granted. And if you ever want to reach out to me, please do not hesitate to send me a message because I work super hard each week to answer Absolutely everybody uh, just because I genuinely want to be friends with most of you. So side note, I'm just going to give a little plug here on what's been happening behind the scenes and if you go to johnnynicole.com, I released a merch store on that site. And I just want to explain to you what it's all about. So this store is called Sought After Clothing Line, and it has merch that's designed to make evangelism easier. So it has coordinates of significant places in the Bible, for example, the coordinates of the Jordan River, of Mount Sinai, the Red Sea, and also some merch has sayings on it like his, sought after, fully known, and wildly pursued. But it's been amazing when I wear the shirts and the the sweatshirts that I've designed, um, because I go out in public and people just come up to me and ask me what those numbers mean. And I'll tell them what they are. And then they're like, you're a Christian, why? And I'm able to tell them my story. And I do not have to stress about a icebreaker. And it's just really cool because for so long I had to muster up this courage to go up to random people and tell them about God. So it's a game changer when people start coming up to you and you're able to just tell them about Jesus. So, if you want, just go check out that merch store on my site, and hopefully it opens up a world of possibilities for the gospel. So, anyway, let's get to this podcast, Navigating Heartbreak. So, if you follow me on Instagram, Pinterest, or Facebook, you will see that I post a lot about relationships. I usually talk about my new marriage and the things that I'm figuring out during this season, but very often, I talk about all of the lessons that I learned when I had my heart broken. And I had my heart broken quite a few times, but that's just it. Those relationships are often just tools to teach us lessons that we could not have learned otherwise. They usually are just seasons in our lives that God uses to make us into the person that he calls us to be. And to be honest, I hate that. I've had my heart broken way too many times and mostly I'm the one to blame. I love, and I love really hard and really fast, and I always have. And it's what a lot of people love about me, it's also what a lot of people hate about me. (laughs) Ever since I was little, like a really little girl, I used to repeatedly tell other people that I loved them. And my mom and my sister would have to pull me aside and tell me that I shouldn't use that word so freely and that I should save it for when I really meant it. But I think, just looking back, that I was so desperate for anybody to love me that I was willing to give my love to whoever. But then I grew up and that trait stuck with me. I'm just so trusting, and I always used to look for the in guys. So that means that I would sometimes be super attracted to the boys that looked like projects because I wanted to fix them. I wanted to bring them to God and make it this whole redemptive story, but it never, never winded up working out quite like I wanted it to, and I thank God for that now. But if you've ever been in a season of feeling unwanted, of feeling used, of feeling shattered by a guy, I see you. I validate that and I hear you. So this podcast episode is called Navigating Heartbreak because it's a daunting season for most of us. And if you're anything like me, sometimes it's so dark and there are so many twists and turns that you have no idea where to go. So you just stay where you are and you never truly get healed and you never come out of the other side of it. You just get way too overwhelmed and you don't want to see what God was trying to teach you or show you in the midst of it because it's just all too much. So I want to help you navigate this journey that you're on. And I learn a lot by structured teaching, like when I'm at church and the pastor gives a sermon and he breaks it up into steps. I understand it way better. So that's what I want to do here. So the first step is letting yourself feel the pain, but not allowing yourself to be controlled by it. I'm going to say that again. Number one, the first step, letting yourself feel the pain, but not allowing yourself to be controlled by it. So a lot of people, when they get hurt by somebody else, they put up walls, they make their heart hard, and they get very bitter about everything. And they have this pride like, well, he didn't deserve me anyway, whatever. And if you're gonna react like that, you'll never be able to process through what you're really experiencing. You'll bottle that up, and one day you're gonna be triggered and it will come out in the most inconvenient way with your future husband one day, or maybe with your kids. So don't hold on to those negative emotions, deal with them let yourself feel that pain, step into it. And I know my, my husband is a three on the Enneagram and feeling anything at all and processing emotions is extremely difficult for him to do. But then years later, he realizes that he's a certain way because he never dealt with the things that happened in his past. And I think that's why God made him marry a four on the Enneagram, me, because I ask him a million questions and try to make him feel what he needs to feel in the moment instead of letting him keep it inside while it makes him sick. So, it's going to be uncomfortable. Of course, you're not going to like it. You're willingly stepping into a dark desert land, but this is the coolest part. Ready? This is the coolest part. God promises to meet us there, and he promises to give you more of his presence than he ever has before, and I know this to be true, and I'll tell you how I know this to be true. So, Story time. I dated a guy for two years, way before Ron, and I wanted to bring him to Christ so badly. And I should have known from the very beginning that it was going to be a difficult task, because when I told him, listen, I'm nervous that we aren't equally yoked, he asked me why I was talking about eggs. And... At the time, I was like, oh my word. But long story short, he winded up getting baptized, becoming a youth group leader, but it wasn't for the Lord. It was all for me, to keep me. And because I think both of our intentions from the way beginning were impure, and because our foundation was built on such selfishness, we could not last. And I specifically knew all of that when I started doubting my own physical convictions from God, and then each time I crossed a boundary line with him, he would brag about it to his buddies, even though I'd be in tears every time. And I dealt with that because he'd say sorry, promised to never do it again. And because I really didn't have much confidence at all. And when we did break up, it definitely was not mutual. I was shattered. I wanted it to work so badly. Even though God was telling me as clear as day to end it, I would not end it. He gave me dreams. I would have dreams about breaking up with this kid he would have people come up to me in the cafeteria and say, I don't know if this relationship is for you, Johnny, I don't know if he brings out the best in you. But for some reason, I couldn't end it. I was entirely attached to him with my flesh. And soul ties are extremely difficult to break. And I so badly wanted us to work out. But he was unhealthy for me. He had a lot of addictions and lied to me all the time and never pointed me to Christ. So one day, the guy that I was dating just did it. He called me after two years and told me on the phone, I think we should call it I think we should break up. And guys, in that moment, it felt like my world stopped. My body became numb. I went into survivor mode. My heart felt like it physically shattered. I could not catch a deep breath. Everything was in slow motion. I missed college classes. I could not sleep. I kept texting him, waiting for him to call me back. The rejection was tangible. I could feel it, I could taste it and I hated it. And side note, he actually said, let's break up for a year so I can live a single life and YOLO for a little bit. And when I want to settle down, you'd be a good wife. So just wait for me. He actually asked me to do that. But I knew deep down that I could not wait. And that's how I knew it was over. I couldn't see myself as someone to just be walked all over. But Boy, did I try to convince him to change his mind and not waste time on temporary pleasures of this world before settling down. But trying to convince someone to choose you is utterly painful. I'm gonna say that again, trying to convince someone to choose you is utterly painful. My problem was not running from the pain. I felt it. I immersed myself in it. I'm a four on the Enneagram. I sat with my friends and I cried. I journaled my heart out. I did not run from the pain. So that was a good job on my part. I did not bottle it in, but my problem was not knowing when it was time to move on from that pain and learn from it. And that's why this first point is called letting yourself feel the pain, but not allowing yourself to be controlled by it. My mistake was this, I mourned. I had no problem wearing my heart on my sleeve, but I let that pain dictate every part of my life. I didn't let it catapult me into something better until years later. I I let it hold me down and paralyze me. I questioned who I was because of it for so long. I questioned how much I really offered somebody. It implanted doubts in my head. It held me back from many things. And even when I met Ronnie, my current husband, my favorite phrase to say was, I'm sorry. I would just constantly apologize for everything because I was so nervous that I'd mess some things up. My point is, let yourself feel the hurt but you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit so you can feel when he's nudging you to move on and not to be hindered by this, when he's wanting you to learn from this. So here's what that looks like, ready? You wallowing in hurt is you looking at his Facebook or Instagram and reminiscing about the memories, you skipping college classes just to lay in your bed and listen to sad music, you wearing his sweatshirt to sleep still and crying with your friends. But this is you not being controlled by the hurt anymore you blocking him on social media, you going to class anyway, swearing off romantic shows and music until you're fully healed, and then opening your Bible and seeing what God is using this heartbreak to teach you. Press into that pain, but don't stay there. And this leads me to point number two, moving on God's way. So many people move on, in a secular way. And this is what I tried to do one time during the first month of this heartbreak. So there was this guy on campus that always tried to flirt with me, so I texted him, and I told him to meet me at the beach that was right down the street, and in our clothes in March in Boston, we ran into the water fully clothed, and we were flirting, and he told me at the end of the night that he was falling for me, and that he wanted to take me on an actual romantic date, and I felt horrible because I had just totally used him to get my mind off of my ex-boyfriend, and he was genuinely hurt. And I know I sound pretty obnoxious, but I left this guy, right? I left him that night, but before I left him and went back into my dorm room, I apologized, I told him that I had used him, and I asked to pray for him. And it's not my proudest moment, it was horrible, but I realized quickly that if I did not reel it in and move on the right way, that I was going to continue hurting people, and that I was going to continually act out of selfishness, and maybe even have some serious regrets. So I got serious with God, and I actually made an outline of how I was going to move on from this guy which is really unlike me because my personality is not super organized and I'm always all over the place, but I knew how serious this was. So this is what my outline looked like, okay? There were three things on my list. One, I needed to pick a part of the Bible to dive into. I needed God to speak to me and I knew the only way that he could do that was through his word. So I picked the book of Hosea and I'll go in depth on that later. Number two, I vowed to not go back to his town for a long while, and that was really hard because home for me during college breaks and summer was his town. That was where my house was, but I knew I'd be too weak. And then number three, I wanted to pour this extra energy and extra time that I had into new relationships that would make me thrive, even if they were not romantic. So I wanna go into depth a little bit on these points here. So number one, The whole podcast is called sought after because of the book in the Bible that I turned to in my times of brokenness, which is called Hosea. It's the best book in the word by far, at least in my opinion it is. But God pursued me through that book like never before. If you're going through rejection or any time of trauma right now, I highly suggest diving into that book of the Bible, and I'll tell you quickly what it's about. So Hosea, he's a man of God, and he's told by God to go and marry a prostitute. And Hosea, I imagine, was embarrassed because he's this mighty man of scripture, and he's told to marry someone who's dirtier than anybody else in society, but he does it. He pursues her and they get married and then the prostitute cheats on him again and goes back to prostituting herself and he still loves her. He buys her back with money out of prostitution and keeps fighting for her so hard and it teaches us that God's love is so powerful, and it conquers all, even our stupid rebellion. And even though we stray from him time and time again, he keeps buying us back and loving us anyway. So Hosea acts like God, and we are Gomer, the prostitute. And my favorite verse from that book is this. It's in Hosea 2. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There, I will give her her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Acre a door of hope. There, she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came out of Egypt. So, here is what God is trying to say to you through those verses he's going to allure you through this time. He's going to lead you to a place called the wilderness where you're not going to have much other than just him. And there, when you're alone with him, he's going to speak tenderly to you and pursue you beautifully. And he says that he's going to give you back your vineyards, your blessings, and the valley that you're in, this low place. He's actually going to make it a door of hope. And why is he doing this? We find out in those last verses there. He wants us to respond like we did when we were younger, when we first got saved. He wants to remind us what that was like and how much we adored him. He wants us to be in love with him again. And y'all, that book was my hope during this time of heartbreak. I let God lead me into the wilderness and build me there. And you need to do that too. So number two, I was determined not to go back to where this guy lived. So I had to be creative. I highly suggest trying to stay clear of where this guy is, um, where the guy is that broke your heart. So I had to be creative again. Well, for starters, I signed up to be a nanny in Italy for a whole summer. And this is something I would have never done. I've never traveled anywhere alone. And it all happened so fast that I had never even Skyped the family that I was going to be living with for a few months. I bought a ticket. And I just left and I hoped what they were saying would be true which it was by the way and it was amazing and I definitely do not recommend that you go to a different country when you're 19 without any research beforehand but I was so desperate for anything that I decided to just do something crazy and outside of my comfort zone and this is actually where God really did his work in me and had me move on but it doesn't have to be Italy for you. It can be a church that you serve at in another city. It can be a family member that you stay with for a few weeks. It can be just a new church that you're, you go to for a while if the guy that you loved went to your current church. You just need to put in that effort to not see him. And you're gonna have days where you're still nowhere near him and your your soul still feels tied to his. And in times that would happen for me, I'm not gonna lie to you, I would send him a text. But each time I did, I ended up regretting it because of the way that he would tre- treat me and the way that I would feel like a lot from the Bible when she was not supposed to look back. And I had this conviction when I gave in and I contacted him because the Holy Spirit was reminding me that he was a sin in my life and he brought me further from the Lord. But each time I did that, it got more and more rare until one day I just woke up in Italy and he didn't cross my mind anymore. And that's because I wasn't seeing him or worried about him. And I had time to dive into my Bible and journal and read this amazing book by Beth Moore about insecurities. And I had time to sit on a beach and look at the world around me. And I knew that that little town where he lived was really small. And I think because I had always been in that little bubble, I never realized how much world was out there. And that my life didn't have to revolve around one guy in order to be happy, but there was actually so much more to live for. So get out of your comfort zone. Go somewhere you won't be around him for a while and journal and read and grow and learn more about yourself and God than you ever have. Number three, I really wanted to put my energy and time into new relationships that would benefit my life, even if they were not romantic. So I struggled my whole life with a relationship with my dad, and it's a long story as to why, but if you'd like to hear my testimony, you can just go to my website and go to the course, the free Christian course called His, and I talk about my relationship with my dad in depth and why it is the way that it is. But. I made this time of moving on a time where I invested into others around me that I thought would be good for me and my life in the long run, and that was actually with my dad and his family. So I swore off my dad for a while, and honestly, I probably had the right to, but I went into this new relationship with him with no expectations at all. I just knew God wanted me to get somewhat close to him, and maybe it was solely for my dad's sake, but... I was able to act out of selflessness and see beyond myself in my broken relationship with my. Boyfriend and my dad is in his late 70s and he had me very late. I'm only 23. So I'd just sit there and ask him about his stories and about everything he loved, and it was just amazing to get to know him for the first time. So maybe this person for you is your grandma, or maybe it's your pastor's wife, or maybe it's a professor at school, but pick a person and start investing your time and energy into them. And it's not always going to be super easy, but you have to build a deep connection with others regardless. Take this time that you're finding single and start building these non-romantic relationships up. And it's not going to be easy again. Sometimes it's even harder, but these are the relationships that will truly last and have your back and make a really big impact in the kingdom. So to recap, point two was moving on God's way. And my outline was this one dive into the Bible. I recommend the book of Hosea Two, go somewhere where the guy that broke your heart isn't for a while. And three, invest in other relationships around you. So, my step three is this learning from this heartbreak. What did God try and teach you through this? So, I'm pretty much a roller coaster of emotions, even when things in my life are going really well. I overthink things, I take on other people's burdens, and I cry a lot. So, this emotional roller coaster through this particular season was anything but smooth. It was like how i normally am but on steroids and i've learned to get a lot better with leading my emotions rather than letting them take the lead but it was a hard thing for a while in the midst of my pain i pushed into god even when my flesh didn't want to even when i was really annoyed with him i leaned into him and was so desperate to see beauty come out of this destruction And honestly, five years later, I'm still learning things from that particular breakup. And maybe when it comes down to it, God just wants to teach us all the very same things. I know that we all have unique situations and we all come from different backgrounds. But at the end of the day, he wants to mold his daughters into Proverbs 31 women, the godly kind, the the kind that shakes the walls of hell. So I'm going to just share with you what I learned during this breakup. So... Number one, the first thing I learned was I learned to stop asking God why and to start asking God how. I'd always ask God, why did this happen? Why doesn't he love me? Why didn't you fix it? And honestly, it was emotionally draining for me to ask these questions all of the time because it didn't help me. It just made me feel so sorry for myself. So a great mentor friend of mine told me to change my questions. Instead of asking why, which made me replay every detail of our relationship and had me paralyzed and unable to move forward, I started asking how. How can I love you best, God? How can I be joyful in this trial, God? How can I trust you more intimately, God? And suddenly there was a shift. I stopped looking at the situation horizontally and I started looking at it vertically. In other words, I started to look up instead of just obsessing over myself. So if you find yourself in a place where you're feeling sorry for yourself and you're asking God, why is this happening? Start asking him how you're going to grow from it and how it's going to benefit his kingdom. It taught me to take ashes to the cross and to trust him to make them into something wonderful. And that was anything but easy. But because of that experience, I have grown deeper in my faith and in my knowledge of Christ. So the second thing I learned I learned that my guy was a total idol. Idolatry is a sin that we're repeatedly warned about in the Bible. An idol is anything that we desire more than God. And for a while I lived like Jesus plus a boyfriend equals everything instead of realizing that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I compromised so many parts of myself to fit into this box that this old boyfriend put me in and even when I had the option to walk away and the confirmations to break it off I chose not to. I chose to stick with something unhealthy because of the condition of my heart which was weak and I didn't trust God. So if you're wondering if your guy was or is an idol in your life There are a few ways to find out. So one way that you'll know that he's an idol is if you're weary. And weariness is more than just extreme exhaustion. It's basically where you feel hopeless because of the drama and the fighting and the crying. And I know I was disappointing my guy so often and we would have blow up fights where my whole dorm room floor would hear my screaming on the phone. I was becoming someone I hated and my heart was hard. I was getting ugly. I knew he was an idol. You can also tell that he's an idol if you feel like you'll die and fall apart if he leaves you. So with Ronnie, I do feel like I would lose a part of me if he died. But that's because I truly love him and he's my husband now. But if any other guy had left me back then, I used to think about it and I felt like I wouldn't know who I was. I couldn't even picture who I'd be if he walked away from me. I put so much of my worth in that particular boyfriend and other boyfriends before him. And if you feel empty thinking about this guy leaving you or finding somebody new, he's an idol. He's your everything. So one other way to tell that he's an idol is if you feel like you're never getting closer to Christ. If you feel like you're backsliding or compromising your convictions or promises that you've made to God are just completely falling apart, that means that this guy is doing the opposite of what he should be doing. He should be bringing you closer to the cross and if he doesn't, then you need to not settle. So I learned overall that this guy was an idol in my life and that God was a jealous God that absolutely wanted my attention so badly. So one way I really overcame that was I made a list of traits and standards that I needed in a man before dating and marrying him. And this had nothing to do with looks. I could care less about looks. I just wanted this man to have a prayer life, know the gospel and be committed to doing kingdom work with me. And on Ronnie and I's third date, I told him all of my standards that I needed in my future husband and he exceeded all of them. So the third thing I learned through this breakup was about sanctification and God could have easily left me where I was. He could have let me marry a man that didn't know God and then my whole life I would have been miserable and in pain, but he loved me too much to keep me where I was. He wanted me to do better and be better. And all of that hurt was just so I could grow and look more like him. And this breakup taught me that in the midst of trials, I should never turn my back on God, but press into him much more. And what's really cool about this is Um, The fragrance in the Bible called myrrh, Um, I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard about it, but it's mentioned a lot in the Word, and it only smells good when it's crushed really hard. So the more it's crushed, the more amazing it smells. So God crushes us to rid us of junk and bring the very parts of us forth that would please Him. Trust the process. Trust His timing. He wants us to keep going from glory to glory to glory to heaven. He doesn't want us backsliding. So think about what God is trying to teach you through this and write it down, remember it, because if you don't learn from it, he's just gonna put you through this again and again until you remember and get it right, because he loves you too much to have it any other way. I do wanna also say that I realize that heartbreak doesn't just occur after you've been in a long-term relationship. There are other unconventional ways that you could have had your heart broken. For example, the guy that you fell in love with never loved you back or the guy that you had been talking to, talking to quote unquote, never wanted to go further and give you a commitment. And honestly, I would say that those are just as hard of situations, if not harder than what I described prior. Because breaking up after a long-term relationship is really hard, but at least you are in that relationship and you most likely know why it ended. But when you don't get the guy that you love to choose you, You are so wrapped up in the could-have-been thoughts and all the fantasies that lead back to you telling yourself that you're not good enough, which puts you pretty much in an emotional prison. So this has happened to me before too many times, but I just remember the thing that sticks out the most to me right now just thinking about it is the closure aspect of it. I wanted closure so bad. Granted, I was a little freshman in high school when this happened so severely, but it really hurt. A senior jock had begun talking to me and taking me out on dates during Christmas break, but when school started back up, he ghosted me, um, deleted me on every social media platform, stopped texting me, and avoided me in the hallways, and I was sick over it. And for a while, I would put my life on hold just to wait for him to hopefully give me some kind of respectful goodbye. And guys, in doing that, I gave up all the power that I had and all the control, and I showed him that I had little to no self-worth at all. And I reached out to him, wrote him letters, i even threw a house party to get him in the same room as me (laughs) because i knew he would not say no to a good time it was just pathetic so friends came alongside me and would say you were never really official why does it matter or you deserve better anyway it's no big deal and even though my head agreed with what they were saying my heart just could not agree relationships that had a beginning middle and an end have given us all that we could take out of them of course it's still sad to watch them die But the story was completed, but the guys that we fell for that never fell for us back? The potential of that relationship could haunt us for a very long time. It haunted me. I refused to move past the experience unless he gave me a reason why or any type of goodbye or closure. I wanted him to make me feel better. But there came a time where I needed to let go of the expectation of the world taking care of my emotional needs. It was time to take responsibility over the fact that I was vulnerable and I wore my heart on my sleeve and I had to just come to terms with the risk of that. And after a lot of suffering and questioning what I had to offer anybody, I made the choice to own what happened and continually give my broken heart to God. And I ran after healing and I didn't look back. Until this day, he's never reached out and he's a not, you know, not a very nice guy. And I'm absolutely okay with that. And that's what I want to get across to you if you're in this type of situation. You're going to be okay. And I so wish that I could go back in time and tell my little 15, 16-year-old self this, but I'm telling you this now. You're going to wake up one day and you're going to notice that the sky is blue again and the grass is green again and it's just all going to go back to normal. And whoever is listening to this, if you're heartbroken for any of the reasons that I described, whether it's a guy that never loved you back or it's a really long-term relationship that you thought were gonna was going to be forever, or if, you know, the guy that you were talking to never valued you enough to give you that commitment, I just want to speak a scripture verse over you. In Romans, it says this, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons. Neither our fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And I want to leave you with this too. Just because somebody could not see your worth doesn't mean you don't have any. So I know heartbreaks are scary, and I hope you could just take my hand through this and hang on to the words that I've said through this whole podcast. Time doesn't heal all wounds, but Jesus sure does. So look to the cross and take heart. I'm praying for each one of you.